Amen. Praise God, man. I needed that. Uh, that was so good. Um, how you guys doing tonight? You guys weary? Yes. Um, it is well with my soul, man. That is, uh, that is a, a song that is heavy, and, and even that, um, that arrangement of it, that is a song that uh, uh, was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. Um, some of you guys have heard that story, uh, but it's uh, a story about a man who was going to go on vacation, but he had to do some work, and so he sent, it's a true story, he sent his family on ahead to England to vacation, and, uh, and when he did that, the ship that his family was on sank, and uh, all of his daughters were lost, and, and they drowned, his wife survived, and uh, she sent him a telegram that said um, their daughters had been, had been killed, they drowned in this uh, horrible accident, and uh, so it's a true story of this godly man then going to meet up with his wife in, in England because they had rescued her and, and that's where she was. And so he got on the boat to go join his wife to grieve and to, to bury his daughters that were lost at sea. And he asked the captain of the ship that he was on as they were crossing the Atlantic, whenever you get over the spot that the ship had sank, will you please let me know? And, uh, and when he did that, uh, they, they got over the spot that he had lost his daughters. Uh, that is when he wrote that song. Uh, Horatio Spafford wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul, uh, as he was floating, <laughs> as he was floating above um, where his daughters had just lost their life. And um, that is powerful faith of God. Man, for, for us to be people of God who could sing a song like, It Is Well With My Soul, I know there are people in this room who are hurting, who have been hurt, who are weary. And for us to be able to sing, it is well with my soul, not because our circumstances are great, not because everything's going well, and not because we're not struggling with things, but it is well with my soul because of who he is. Because like what Casey prayed, our roots go into Christ Jesus deeply, and that's where we drink from. And that's where peace comes from, the peace of the Holy Spirit. And so, man, I just didn't want to breeze over that and, and miss that moment. Um, although that also wasn't how I was planning on starting the sermon, so let me go ahead and start the sermon now, um, but praise God for that, and let's be those people. Okay, so my sermon tonight, um, let's be those people of faith, and, and here's, here's, watch this transition. Um, so uh, we want to be those people of faith, and then God's given us a community to act out that faith, hence community is what we're talking about. That was a, that was a stretch, yeah, thanks guys. Great transition. Yeah, Tyler's not impressed. Um, so... Uh, Last week, Josh Story talked about the idea of community being uh, one of the purposes of community being our sanctification. So the design that God has built intrinsically into the idea of community is that it's for our sanctification, for, the, for revealing our sin, for killing our sin, and that's one of the purposes. And so tonight, I'm going to piggyback off that, and I'm going to talk about the purposes of community, one of them being community as mission. God's intrinsic design within community to be something where we are on mission. Now let me define two big buzzwords, community and mission. When I say the word community, what I'm referring to and what we're talking about in, in this little two-part mini-series is what's happening here. It's the idea of the people of God. It's the idea of the community that God has brought together who what we have in common is the gospel of Jesus Christ that unifies us. And so it's the community of believers who are gathered together, who are holding each other accountable, who are submitted under leadership, who are walking faithfully with each other, not when it's just convenient and not when it's just comfortable, but walking together and walking out life. That's the community that we're talking about, and it's the community that we believe you're called to be a part of. 
not just a spectator on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, but being a part of a community where you are known and you know others. And then the mission, when I say community as mission, the mission is the mission of God. It's what he gives, what Christ gives us in Matthew 28 for us to all go and make disciples. It's, it's the idea that we are to share the faith in Jesus Christ, the one salvation we have in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And we're to share that and we're to reach the needy and we're to love others and we're to go outside the walls uh, and love other people and make disciples and, and meet their needs and be a part of the renovation process that God is doing in the city and in other people's lives. So my argument, my thesis tonight, is God's design for community to be mission. That community should function as, uh, as mission. Let me tell you a quick story of just kind of how I see this playing out. I think this will connect well. Um, the first time I saw an iPhone, it changed my life. I remember where I was. It was a restaurant called Tin Star in dadgummit. Now it's all shaken up. Josh, do you mind? Give it up for Josh Story. Good job. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Just toying with him now. Um, okay, so it's 10 Star, right, in Carrollton, Texas. I walk in. I'm meeting a buddy. His name is Eddie James. And I sit down at the booth, and he pulls out an iPhone, and he sets it on the table. And he says, man, look what I got. And he puts it out here on the table. And I take my, like, 80-pound Nokia out of my pocket, and I set it down. It's got a gas generator, and I, like, <laughs> unplug it, and I put it down. Uh, and I look at his iPhone, I pick it up, I smell it, I give it just a tiny little taste just to see what it, no, nah, I didn't do that, that was weird, I'm not weird, uh, and, and, and I swipe to open it, and I'm amazed, and I realize, oh my gosh, what is happening, what is this, my world changes, right, because, because this device, right, has perfected, right, has, in theory, at least at that point in time in history, had perfected the cellular telephone, and there was nothing like it. And all of a sudden, I have my iPod in the same thing. And I have internet access. And I have a, a cool calendar. And I have a camera. And all of these things. It's like, what is happening? All of this, all within the iPhone, uh, changed everything. Right? If you are an Android person in here, talk to me afterwards. There's going to be a time of repentance and just prayer over you. And we're going to walk you out of that lifestyle tonight. Um, uh, but, but, right, it's this, you know, iPhone paved the way of that. And, and here's, what, here's what I want you guys to hear in that. Um, the cell phone, right? I think there was this idea that I didn't know it could be capable of everything that now we just take for granted in what a cell phone is capable of. But there was a period of time in my life, pre-iPhone, right, pre-smartphone in general, that I didn't realize all of the purposes and, and abilities that it had. That's how I want us to see this idea of community as mission, right? I don't want us to just think, well, commu community only exists for mission. It only exists for sanctification. But I want us to have a better understanding of all that is uh, designed and purposed within the community of God, of, of how this thing is supposed to work. Because I think we settle for way less, right? We settle for something much more uh, simplified and, and, and doesn't have as many, as many abilities um, certainly with the phone correspondent, it just doesn't have as many bells and whistles. And if we are missing out on these aspects of the depth of how God's designed community, then, then we're missing out uh, on, what, uh, on what he has for us. So I'm going to make a case for it, a case for why I see in Scripture a community as mission. This is where I'm going tonight. And then I'm going to talk about the goal for that. And then I'm going to talk about the effect of that. So let me make the case for it. Let me make the case for community um, in, in general. 
uh, we see in Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 1.26, we see the idea that um, God, speaking in Genesis 1.26, he says, let us make man in our image. Right off the bat in Genesis 1, we see that God is in community with himself within the Trinity, right? And this isn't going to be a sermon about the Trinity. Praise God. Um, but, but, right, we see, even in the idea of intrinsically in the Trinity, we see God, our God, within the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, is in community with himself, and how all that works is an, another sermon, right? But we see community. We also see community in the Old Testament. Um, all throughout the Old Testament, right, the first half of the book that we read, we see how God chose to operate in calling a nation of people. Our God chose to enter into our world and say, this is how I want to reveal myself. I'm going to call out a nation. Abraham, it's your descendants. It's this ethnic group uh, who, who we now know of as, as Jews, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. And he says, you're going to be my people. And I'm going to interact with you as a whole community. Not just, hey, any individual person around the globe. I, I, I absolutely demand, God says, this individual faith, this sacrifice, right? We're not saved just because of our community. But the way he functions within that community is he says, these are my people and they're going to represent me. And other people are going to look at them and they're going to know that I am your God. And he disciplines them. And the whole Old Testament is this up and down relationship with God's community of people. Then we see at the beginning of the New Testament, the Gospels, when Jesus shows up on the scene. The incarnate God shows up in the person of Jesus Christ. And when he begins his ministry, goes out in the desert and he comes back, and what does he do? He starts calling community to himself. He starts saying, hey, you, come follow me. Hey, you, you're fishing? I want you to drop your nets. I want you to come follow me. I want you to now fish for men. Hey, you, I want you to come follow me. And he calls disciples. And then for the three years of his ministry, he surrounds himself with this community of other men. These guys aren't the brightest in the bunch. They're not brilliant. They're not spotless. They're, they're just regular guys. And he surrounds himself with this community. And, and then these, these women who are ministering to them and, and involved in this community. And Mary Magdalene. And, and there's this community and this family around him that is committed that they have submitted under his authority. And we see that play out. And we even see the function of that community real obvious. Jesus uses that community to go and meet the needs of others, to go and share. In certain seasons of ministry in the series, he sends them out and says, okay, I've trained you. Now go and reach someone. Reach someone for putting their faith in, in me and, and go and, and share the gospel and, and go and help this leper. And they become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. The community around Jesus begins to function in a missional context. Then also, uh, we even see it in the rest of the New Testament with the New Testament letters. Right, so after the Gospels, we've got Acts, which is a story of how God is forming his church. And then we've got a lot of letters, largely from the Apostle Paul. And all these epistles are being written to churches. The whole back half of the New Testament is these letters written to churches, informing them of how to be better communities of God, how to be better churches, how to be groups of believers who are functioning healthier and loving each other and, and being a light in dark places and, and not suing other people because of the poor witness it is. And, and so it's this instructional, um, godly challenge that Paul and Peter and John give to these pockets of community to spur them on to be more and more uh, of a community that's on mission. Uh, I just want to show you one thing in Hebrews 10. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read 10, 19 through 23. And man, this right here is so good. 
I'm not camping out on 10, 19 through 23. I want to show you what comes after that. But I still want you to read it, and I want you to see the importance of it. And we could do a whole three-week series on just these four verses because it's so rich. Um, so, so look at me with the screen, or if you've got your Bibles, it's Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Here's what the author of Hebrews says. He says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened, For us through the curtain that is through his flesh, referring to Jesus. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from all evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Huge, huge passage there. It is such a tease that I'm just reading that, and, and that's not where I want us to focus in this sermon. But, but I do want you to see what's happening here is the author of Hebrews is unpacking our identity in Christ, the, the access we now have to eternal life in the presence of God, that we now, if we are in Christ and have, have put our faith in Christ because of the death, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we now get to enter into that presence and have salvation and have a relationship with the God of the universe and how epic this is. And it's this amazing picture of what we get because of Christ. It's huge. And then this is why it's so neat. Look at the next verse that's attached to that exclamation point of our faith. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, so what I want us to see is in Hebrews 19 through 23, it's the gospel and it's the effects of the gospel. And it's, I mean, it is it. And then the very next section is, and so continue to meet together. Because this and the effects of the gospel and salvation and the relationship which we now have and the access if we're in Christ is amazing and is amazing. And it's designed to be done in community. So, so continue to meet. Don't forget. Don't neglect to meet together because we forget, because we we need that reminding, because we're designed to be in community. We're designed to take that out. We're designed to walk with others through that truth. Um, The design of God to reveal himself to the nations, to the world, this idea of community, it is intrinsic throughout scripture, I would argue. Um, Here's here's a fifth one. Uh, This one, I'm I'm not going to the Bible, so... Don't take it um, as great. I would ask you, look at your own personal life. Um, look at your life. If you're in Christ in this room, or, or maybe you're growing in Christ, how was it that you entered into that relationship with God? What did that look like? When you, uh, when you got assimilated into a relationship with Jesus Christ, what was the on-ramp for that? And I, I ask that question because I would argue and I would, I would guess that a lot of people in this room, it was because of community. It was because of a community you were a part of. It was because of a community that you got the taste of. Now there's people whose testimonies, and I love them, and they're awesome, and it's like, man, they were like walking down the street, and they were like high on crack, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit showed up, and they like sobered up, and it was like this totally incredible, and I I love that, right? Because that's amazing, and wow, God can do that. But for so many of us, it's because we kind of got either adopted into some community, maybe it was a youth group, maybe it was you went to some camp experience and you were like, oh man, now I get it. Or a lot of us, it was our families. The most intimate community setting we could ever think of, our families. We were born into a community of people. 
and maybe they loved Christ. Maybe they pushed us that way. God uses community in our testimony. We see it throughout our lives, throughout our friends' lives. Um, he uses community for his mission. Okay, so what's the goal of it? So what's the goal of community as mission? Um, I, I want to tell an illustration. A, a buddy of mine sent me a TED Talk. Um, and in this TED Talk, I love it. it was, uh, it's about this guy who, uh, who raises geese for, uh, what's the word? It's a really fancy word. I don't need it. Foul, faux gras, I think it's what, what? Faux gras. Yeah, dude, Harbuck's got it. He's fancy. Okay, so you got, you know your stuff, man. Uh, okay, so faux gras, faux gras. What? Foie gras? Oh, no, that's not, that's not going to work for me. That's way too French. Um, it's, it's essentially liver, right? It's essentially a goose or a duck liver that's been enlarged, and it's this delicacy. It's actually, like, illegal in a lot of places, and here's why it's illegal. It's illegal because how they make it is they take ducks or geese and they just horrible, they just kind of trap them in cages, right? And, and so their whole lives are just stuck in a huge cage and they run a pipe of grain or corn down their, down their throat and they force feed them food so that it will enlarge to an unhealthy degree their liver so then when they kill it, they'll have this really large liver and they may do this fancy thing and it's this real big delicacy, right? So it's a horrible practice to do to an animal. You're just force feeding through tubes and you walk into like warehouses of ducks or geese that they're doing this to and it's an awful thing, right? So there's this farmer uh, in France and he, he sells geese for the purpose of the, the dish, right? Um, he, he sells geese for that. But here's what he does. He doesn't force feed them. Here's what he does. He creates an environment. He creates an environment for those geese with just amazing bushes everywhere and, uh, and, and, and fruit in the bushes and all the kinds of things that, and, and dates, which apparently geese are really into dates and, and all kinds of stuff like that, right? All these things that really attract geese and he has domesticated geese that he raises and he's a farmer, he's a goose farmer and, uh, and, he, and he just has created this atmosphere for them where he just allows them to do whatever they want. So he doesn't boss them around. He just really creates an environment where they feel loved and welcomed and supported and all that kind of stuff. He has electric fences, but they're, they're, they're turned backwards. So they don't electrocute the geese. They just are facing outwards for any predators outside, which is kind of counterintuitive because electric fence is supposed to keep the animals in. But he flips them backwards because it hurts the geese's feelings, apparently. Uh, and he, like, plays, he plays music for them and the whole thing, Right? And so this guy goes and he checks out this farm and he, he sees something amazing happen. He sees this community of geese who have it good, right? And because they have it good, that's why it works because they're just chowing down the food constantly because they're just living it up. They're not migrating. They're, not, they're just chowing down. And what happens is during, when it starts to get cold and geese start to migrate, the geese will, other wild geese will fly overhead and these geese call out to them. And those geese circle back around in the land there. And so his goose population continues to increase and increase and increase because the, the animals he have are calling out to the wild ones who are flying down towards the south where it's warm. And he says, they're like, hey, actually, it's really great here. This is, this is the jam. Come here. This is awesome. They're going to get killed eventually. But that, they don't know that, right? <laughs> that ruins the illustration, Right. Right, because the community of God is not to like woo people and to kill them. So that's where we're going to disconnect it. <clears throat> but it's, it's this idea 
it's this idea that the community is so sweet and so well-fed and so well-nourished and so well-loved and so well-supported that other geese who are on their way to, to hang out where it's warmer are wooed to that spot and his flock expands exponentially just through wild geese. He doesn't have to go buy more. He doesn't have to breed more. That, it just happens because he's created that environment. That's, a, I think, a beautiful, humbling and convicting illustration of what the community of God should look like. Man, we should be this community that the, the wild people in our world, right, the, the, those who don't know the Lord, those who don't, would fly by our community and say, what is that? I want to be a part of that. S- something is happening there. These people are loved. These people are fed in a way that, that I've never been fed. They have joy. They have, it is well with their soul when circumstances suck. What's happening here? And they circle back around and, and land and get to be a part and get to hear why and get to be fed and get to be interested in what God is doing. And, and, and that's the goal of, of how the community of God should function. This community that can be a light to dark places. Uh, Matthew 5.16. Well, Matthew 5.15 says no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And the next verse says, in the same way, this command from Jesus In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. They would see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. They would fly by and say, what in the world? Why do these people love the way they do? Why do they serve? Why do they have the joy they have? These good works, wow. And they wouldn't give glory to Christ Chapel or you or some local church. They would give glory to your Father in heaven. That's our goal. If we have been saved, if we have been in this picture, right, lit with the candle of God, if we are this candle of the Lord and we, we want to show that candle to the world, if we have been adopted by God on high, then why wouldn't we want to share that with the world? If you're in this room and you've been adopted as a son or a daughter, right, this spiritual thing that happens when you put your faith in Christ and now you're a new creation and you're one of his and you're a follower of Christ now and you're sealed by him, if that makes up your identity in this room, why don't we want to share that more? Why do we not want to take that and be on mission to share that with other people who are lost and dying and going to hell, why would we not want to do that? And as I was wrestling with that question, and wrestling with that question in my own heart, in the apathetic spots of my own life, where I'm, I'm not sharing, I'm not being urgent, the only thing I could come up with as I wrestled with that question of why don't we, is I hate people, or, I, or I'm just way too selfish and just love myself, and I'm a selfish person, which probably boils down to me hating people. <laughs> I, I just, it's, it's horrible. And I, I should feel the conviction of the Lord, not the condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ. But the conviction of the Lord says, man, what I've been given is amazing. Why, why would I hide that? Right? Why would I hide that under a basket? Why wouldn't I share it with the world? That's the goal. God uses community. He brings people together. He, he creates through his spirit people who don't look alike, who, who don't like the same things, who don't have the same amount of money in their bank account. He brings together community. And what we have in common is the gospel. 
which we're going to land on, but that's what we have in common. We should be living this out on mission. We should be approaching uh, our community with the idea of how can this community be more of a light to the city. We, did a, uh, we threw a party Saturday, uh, crawfish boil. A lot of you guys were, were there. Um, and we just had strangers show up, and it was awesome. We had people drive by. We had people that saw stuff on Facebook and had never come to anything. And we're just getting to talk to them about who we are and why we throw parties and why we love Christ. And, and it was awesome. That's the kind of community we should be. We want Wednesday nights to be that. I mean, my hope, our prayer, our staff, and we have an incredible, incredible team of people who are paid nothing and just serve every Wednesday night and, and through the week to prepare for a night like this because we wanna throw a party. We wanna throw a party for the, the most solid believer in this room who could celebrate what God's done and also simultaneously a party for the most lost person ever who doesn't know Christ and they don't buy Christianity and they're not drinking that, but they would feel welcome here and they would feel loved here and they could walk in and it's why we spend extra time and money on, man, let's not just, you know, let's not just get a bunch of, jack-in-the-box tacos and serve them to you guys. Although, that would be epic. Write that down, Josh. Uh, right? It's why we take pride. It's why we want to have things with excellence. And we got, there was sinking water out there that had strawberries in it, and it was delicious. That's because, that's because that's what Christ would do, right? He would serve strawberry water. He'd serve the good wine, right? Our Savior serves the good wine, and that's what we should be as a community. That's what Wednesday nights should be. They should be this pocket where we can, we can serve the good wine. We can love people well. They can feel welcome in this place. L- let me jump into the effects of this. The effects are threefold. And I'm going to move through them pretty quick. The first effect, if this is happening, is that if we have a perspective and a mentality of this community is, is, to be a mission, is to be on mission. That part of the purpose of, of community is the mission of God and how we can work together to accomplish the mission of God and reach people for Christ. Then one of the first effects that's gonna happen is it's gonna make this thing not about you. It's gonna make this thing, this, this Christian community, not about you. It's gonna make it about him. And all of a sudden, if we shift our focus to to loving others and, and being on mission, then all of a sudden, man, this community, it's not about what's comfortable for you or what I want or what you want. It's about how can we reach others? How can we love others? For those who are solid in Christ, it's about how do we mature that believer so that he might know how to make better disciples? How can he apply the gospel better? Right? It's about challenging us to do that. Um, this might hit close to home, um, you know, we, we've had a few people over the last year, we've had, even specifically, we've had a few college students who on Wednesday night have chosen to put their faith in Christ on a, on a random Wednesday night at Renovate, and God's doing incredible stuff in their life. And I think back to Tyler and I had a conversation a little over a year ago where we thought, hey, what if we expanded the border of Renovate? Um, and we said, hey, you know, there was kind of a period of time where it's like, hey, if you're in college, you know, you're not really welcome. And hey, if, if you get married, you know, you're kind of on, on your way out. And, and we thought, man, why do we draw those arbitrary borders? Man, let's just love people. Let's love people and preach the gospel and create this community. And the fact that we have people coming, and, and there were some people that really didn't like that. And they're like, no, man, I don't want to welcome these new people in, man. They're, they're going to... They're gonna change maybe the dynamic of what I have and this is what I want and this is my community and if you start adding new people, where are these people coming from? Wait, those people don't look like me. Wait, these people are like seven years younger than me and these people are older. And Hey, this guy's married and that makes a community about us. We've gotta repent from that. 
I've got to repent from that. This thing isn't about us. This thing is about what is God doing and how can we welcome others into it? And yeah, you should definitely fight to have a level of intimacy with the community. Be known and, and be with other people who are kind of in the same phase of life. They're called small groups, man. Get in them, right? Then, then celebrate with us and, and come to afterwards or come to in and out with us. Or there are all kinds of pockets for, I think, those really intentional times. Man, if we're preaching the gospel and celebrating what he's done, why are we drawing those lines in the sand? This thing isn't about us. It's about him. It's about his mission. It's about his growth in us, um, Man, it's also not about this idea of church hopping, right? We can kind of put, oh, well, I'm gonna try this one, or I'm, okay, now I'm gonna try this thing, and I'm gonna try this midweek service, and I'm gonna go to this service. Same thing. It comes from a place in my heart that says, well, I don't know if I really like this, and I wanna try out this other one, as opposed to a faithfulness that says, man, we're not about what I want and my preferences. This isn't a buffet. This is the community of God, and what's his purpose for it? Sanctification, mission, let's be about that. Second effect this mindset is going to have. The second effect is you're gonna grow, if this is your mindset, you're gonna personally grow and you're gonna see others around you grow. In 1 Corinthians 12, we see uh, Paul unpack the picture of how the body of Christ works and this, this idea that there are many different parts of the body and he, he equates it obviously with this illustration of a human body and that some people are a tongue and some people are an arm and, you know, and so, so in that, if we are on mission together, there are people who are gonna be gifted in ways that you are not, and you are gonna be gifted and connect with somebody else. We see that even on our staff, right? I'm on this staff with Tyler Durham. My mind does not work the way Tyler's does. He's going to be able to reach and connect and disciple people in a specific way that maybe I'm not as equipped to, and I don't have to be insecure about that. I can grow in that, right? It doesn't mean like, oh, well, I'll, I'll let all the smart stuff happen to Durham. Yeah, I'm just gonna be over here slumming it, right? Uh, Right? It's not that I become lazy, but it's, I celebrate why wow, he's really good at that or Kristen Hines and how gifted she is. Well, I don't have all of those giftings and so, okay, but she can do that. I can celebrate that. And, and so what happens if a community is on mission is hopefully we're not comparing ourselves to other people saying, oh, well, it's all, well, if it's community on mission, it's all about extroverts. It's all about how many outgoing, good-looking extroverts can we get in the room to welcome people? Well, that, that's not what we mean by mission. That's not depth. That's not salvation. Now, let's not make the mistake. Let's not fall into the ministry trap that effectiveness has to do with that personality traits. We serve the body in all different ways. And when we're on mission, we start to see, okay, that person's good at this. and Okay, I'm good at this. And man, I really need to be sharpened here. And, and it functions in this beautiful way. And you will grow in your giftedness if you're on mission in that way. And you'll realize too, oh man, I, I served in, in that role and that was not the role for me. Like I was not good at that. I should not be cooking right now. Like there was just hair in everybody's food and it was awful, right? Uh, right, I didn't cook, all right? Uh, right, and so, oh man, this is where I'm called. And, and you're gonna grow and you're gonna see other people grow and you're gonna celebrate the uniqueness of how God has gifted us. Third, third way, last way, the effect of this mindset shift, uh, community having, having a purpose in, in having a mission. Uh, we get to be a part of what God is doing that's one of the effects. It's one of my favorite effects. We get to be a part of what God is doing. If we're a people that say, hey, this thing isn't gonna be about us, we're gonna use our gifts and come together to reach other people and we're gonna grow deeper and deeper and deeper because of it and our depth is gonna go deeper as we are, are joining the mission of God to make disciples, 
we get to be a part of what God is doing. God, in his infinite sovereign will, for some reason, chose to use us. He chooses to use us to bring people to salvation, to woo people into the kingdom of God, to to let them know that what we have is good and our God is good and our roots are deep and we're well fed and hey, come and join. Come and join what God is doing. He didn't need to do that, but he chose to use us and so we get to come along and we get to see the Holy Spirit at work and we get to run along this mission and see God blow up stuff left and right and, and, and change people's lives and man, I can tell you story after story after story after story that how I got to walk with somebody and be used, not because of who I am, but because I was just obedient and was like, all right, I'm an idiot, but I'll come and, and follow where God's, I'll go play where God is playing. And got to see people's lives changed. And in that process, my life got changed and is constantly changing because I'm seeing the greatness of God. I'm seeing how incredible and how worthy of worship and how powerful our God is. We get, we get to be a part of what God is doing. I spend so much of my time I spend so much of my time doing things that are not eternal. Think about it. Man, how much of our day, our week, our year is focused on things that aren't eternal? Things that at the end of my life, at the end of time, I'm gonna look back and be like, wow, that was a waste of time. What a waste. Great, I saved up this much money. I'm not saying saving is evil, right? But I saved it, and it's for what? Oh, man, I built my little, my little ivory towers for, no, for nothing, right? I, I focused my energy on, it's convicting the amount of time I spend playing games on my wicked, evil iPhone, right? Which changed my life in that restaurant many years ago, and now it just ruins my life. And how much time I waste having to decline except to, to go play Candy Crush with you guys. Son of a gun, man. Right? We spend our time doing so many things that are not eternal. Getting to be a part of a community and walking alongside other people with the mission of God in mind, to, to go be a part of the renovation process in other people's lives, going out into their world and calling them into ours and creating an environment where they feel welcome, man, that's getting to be a part of something eternal. That's getting to come alongside what God is doing in someone's life, and I get to be a part of something eternal. I get to see that. That is worth giving my life away. That is worth giving our life away. And where does that come from? And where does our motivation for any of this stuff come from? Let's not leave tonight or check the box of saying, yeah, I'm gonna be more missional. I'm gonna, uh, this next year in Renovate, I'm really gonna get involved as, as this ministry or this church or, or whatever ministry you're connected to. And I, I wanna serve better. I wanna buy into that mission. And we check that box without understanding why because I was that person outside the gates, doomed to hell, right? I was that person who God took from dark to light. And God used community to bring me in and God used community to disciple me because I deserved hell, because you deserve hell. That's what you deserve. I don't care how much good things you've done. I don't care what your church attendance is. You deserve separation from God for all eternity, hell. And because of Jesus Christ, the spotless, perfect God in the flesh showed up, died, rose again. If you put your faith in him, then that's why. We have new life. We have new life and we're new creations. 
And that rhetoric of we've been adopted as his son and his daughter. Hopefully we're changed by that. And hopefully that is the motivation for us to say, golly, my life is not my own. I was bought at a price, price of Jesus Christ. I want to give that away now. I'm his. I'm going to be a slave to righteousness. God, where are you working and I want to be there. Would that be our prayer? Let me pray over you. Father, we love you and we are so grateful that you have sought us out, Lord. Um, you, have, you have pursued us and sought us out. And Lord, for my friends and brothers in this room uh, and sisters in this room who are, um, man, who have who just been growing in Christ and maybe they've been a part of community. Maybe this community has been such a blessing to them or through their life, they've seen community be a part of how your mission plays out. Um, Lord, tonight, would we be refreshed with that challenge? Um, would, would we be re-motivated to jump in, Lord? Would we um, find ways to serve more? Would we be a part of what God is doing? If, if not in, in this specific ministry, then in other ministries and, and get around other believers and submit ourselves to authority and hold each other accountable to run this race. Um, and Lord, if we're in this room and maybe we feel like those wild geese flying over and we're still checking this thing out and we're not sure what, why this makes sense and why these people sing songs about it being well with our soul and, and we praise God and we have a, hopefully a joy, Lord, that's contagious. Um, God, would, would those people in this room feel so loved and welcomed tonight? Would they know that what they walked into wasn't just a group of people who love to pat themselves on the back every Wednesday night, but instead a room full of people that have been changed by you, that deserved death, but we got life, that deserved hell, but we got you. And you're so much better than anything else we can chase after. And they'd see that and they would be drawn to that and they would reach out to the community around them. They would put their faith in you. That's what we ask for. And they wouldn't just sit and think, wow, this is really neat. I'm gonna come more. But instead, maybe tonight they'd say, I'm putting my faith in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins because I can't do it alone. And I am missing that. And I have been missing that. Would tonight be a night that their lives are changed forever? And for all of us, God, would our lives be changed by the picture of how, how you do this work in us? Change us, God. Don't leave us the same. Lord, we are here. We are open. We are available. Mold us to look more like you. In the name of Jesus, amen.